Life Radio. Stories at the intersection of music and life. Welcome to another episode of Music Life Radio. I am your host, Dan Sauter. Music Life Radio is a free podcast available on iTunes and your interwebs at musicliferadio.com, and it features interviews and stories about and related to music. Dominique Leone is a classically trained musician from Texas who now operates out of San Francisco. He's a songwriter and producer with more than a slight command of pop history and theory. His music could be considered pop with the occasional dash of prog, conceptual art, or a really good TV theme song. So tell me, how did you first get started in music? My dad was a musician, and so that's probably where a lot of it comes from. I didn't myself start playing music until I was in junior high. I, I, I took band class in, uh, when I was about 12 or 13, and uh, and I never really had even thought about music before. It was just kind of a whim. You know, my teacher asked me if I wanted to be in band or be in some other elective in junior high, and I was like, okay, I'll be in band. So kind of a why not kind of a deal. But then it was it was really quick i really I, I really loved it i really loved doing it and you know i i learned it very quickly and i played trumpet with my instrument in band and i played it all through junior high and high school and in fact i majored in it in college i was a music performance major and in, in trumpet performance um but also writing my own song i guess i started writing my own songs when i was in high school but I've always loved music, and I've always listened to it my whole life. Even when I was a kid, even before I ever thought about playing it, I was just always listening to the radio. I would I would tape things off the radio, or you know, I had a few tapes of my own, uh, and and I just loved it. Yeah, for as long as I can remember, I've always loved music. And when did you start playing piano? Piano probably sometime in high school because I was really interested in in trying to learn how to play the songs that I liked, and also to try to write my own songs. I I remember in band class in the big band hall of my high school going upstairs there was a practice room upstairs with the piano in it and just kind of going upstairs and trying to figure out all the different chords what was a major chord what was a minor chord that kind of thing and 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 also trying to figure out the songs that i liked and just trying to figure out what made them sound the way that they sounded do you play any other instruments besides trumpet and piano i played uh, drums as well I, i've been playing drums all probably about 15 or 16 I don't get to play it as much now, just I don't have a lot of time and I don't have a, I don't have a space where I can keep a big kid. I, all my drums are in storage right now. But I, I, I love playing drums and I, I don't know. I, that's, I think of all the things that I do, that's probably the one that I have the most fun at. I've read also that you've been doing music reviews. Can you tell me a little bit about that? Yeah, music reviews. I don't do them so much anymore, but, uh, I did, um, I started doing music reviews. Probably about 10 years ago. Also kind of on a whim. I mean, I, I, I didn't really have any ambitions or aspirations of being like a music reviewer or a, a music journalist. I just liked writing. And I, you know, I wanted to write about records that I didn't see written about as much. Some of the stuff that I was listening to, maybe some of the more obscure stuff. 
and uh, I happened upon a website that said they were looking for writers, and I just said, well, why not? And so I, I, I penned a review of a, of a Faust record. I sent them a review of this Faust record, and I told them, I said, you know, you guys should have this on your website. You should run this. And they did run it, and they actually ended up bringing me on as like a full-time reviewer, and I wrote there for a long time, and, and it was cool. I have a lot of friends from that experience, and I still have friends from that. I still go out with my kind of my music journalism friends and just kind of geek out about music. Did you find any music acts that you were surprised or it was just something that you found out of the blue? I wrote for a long time for Pitchfork and they, they kind of specialize in indie music. And that just was not where I was coming from. Like I, I was coming from, I mean, I listened to a lot of older music from the 60s and the 70s and a lot of, you know, experimental music, but I really wasn't too hip on as far as like indie rock or what was going on in that and new music in that way. And I think writing for them kind of opened my eyes to this whole culture that was probably always there. Like I, I was probably always around it and just didn't even realize it. But I just, I had never, I didn't know about most of the bands that, that they covered. I didn't know I, a lot of electronic music. I, I really wasn't aware of. I remember getting into like you know, Finnis and, and Autekker and Mouse on Mars and these kinds of bands that were really popular when I first started writing for Pitchfork and I was just, I just was not aware that they existed. I didn't know that this whole scene existed. Uh, one day I was uh, looking around on Facebook uh, for the Cardiacs and I came across uh, a benefit that you were doing and actually that was how I first heard of you and got in touch with you as well as I went to the the Cardiacs benefit and was just thrilled at hearing some of that music live. How long have you been a fan of the Cardiacs? And how did how did you actually come about doing the benefit? You know, I haven't been a fan of that long. I mean, they were another one of those bands that I just kind of happened upon. And, and, and in this case, it was kind of like, how have I not already heard of these guys? They're just so unbelievable. I mean, it's within the last 10 years is when I've heard them. And that particular show... I was just like, I wanted to do that show. And I said, we should do a benefit for Tim Smith. I know he's sick. And, and Mo Stiano really loves the Cardiacs as well. And so I said, Mo, we should do this. And so we just kind of put that together and asked our friends to play this thing. And and we made some money and we sent it to him. And it was just a totally positive experience. It's kind of awesome because that concert, you know, a lot of those bands weren't familiar with Cardiacs before we played that. And some of those bands still play their stuff, like in their set, like they still play the Cardiacs cover or covers that they did. I mean, Moe's band, uh, Cardiac Fly, th their whole set is Cardiacs covers. And I, I just, I was really proud of that concert and really proud of the, the, the kind of the, you know, the, the, the exposure that we may have given them to just a few people that came to that show that hadn't been aware of the band before because it's such an amazing band. And Tim Smith is such an amazing composer, like an inspiration. I mean, to, to be that creative. And still pushing it and still like getting better, it seems, as he gets older. That's that's really inspiring. Here's Dominic Leone with 4060.
Any chance you've got some uh, wacky gig stories? Maybe something interesting that's happened over the years with you on the road? <laughs> well, um, yeah, that's a good question. Let's see. Um, I, it's funny you ask that because I had a rehearsal the other night, and I was as we were coming home on the bar, and I was talking to my friend, the drummer, talking about another friend of mine, how we had been in Europe a couple of years before that. This is my first time was in Europe and I, I did like the, I set up this tour for like a month just by myself to go out there and just kind of travel around but I had another friend who was out there and so I said you should play some of these shows with me and so we we were really good friends at the start of that tour and by the end of that tour it was it was so much cabin fever it was just so much like utterly claustrophobic angst and and I remember being on the train station with her in Rome and both of us are just exhausted. We've been traveling for like a month straight at this point, like every day, either on a train or on a plane. And we don't know where we're going. I don't know how to get out of this airport or this train station. I'm like, let's just, let's just walk. Let's just go and, and we're, we'll run into an exit at some point. We'll get a cab or something. And she's like, no, I am not doing that. We are calling a cab now. If you do not call a cab now, then I am going home. And I was just like, I was just like, well, you know what? You might be going home because I am not calling this cab right now. I was so frustrated. And right at that moment, right, right at the worst possible moment when I'm looking at this, like, I'm going to lose this friend. I'm going to lose my bandmate. I'm going to be in the middle of Europe. I'm not going to know what to do. Right at that moment, we found an exit and there is a train, like, right there. It, like, it's going right in the direction of where we were staying. So it, like, totally saved us. We went there. We just, like, slept. And then we played the gig, and it was fine. And we still joke about that now. I just, it was just such a bizarre situation, and I just can't believe we got that close to just exploding. Well, Max Tundra, a British electronic musician, uh, said that you're one of the greatest practitioners of the chord progression. I wanted to ask you about your stubbornly original song structures and chord progressions. How do you write? What is your process? I, I don't know what to say about that. I mean, I, I write, uh, I am a songwriter. And so I guess I start writing, you know, on the piano and I'll do chord progressions. I don't know if they're stubbornly original. I mean, I, I, they, they are definitely something that sounds good to me at the time. I, uh, I, I guess I, I don't know. I, I think most songwriters and most musicians try to do things that surprise them and try to do things that's um, cool to them. And that's really all I'm doing as well. How did you get connected with your record company? My first record came out, it was my friend Hans Peter runs his own kind of label, his own press in Norway, where he mostly just puts out his own records. And occasionally he'll put out records of his friends. And this was a record called, a record label called Fidelity. And I had written him just kind of out of the blue saying, I really like your music. It would be cool if you wanted to remix one of my tunes. And I sent him a few tunes. And he wrote me back uh, saying, yeah, I would love to do this. In fact, I'd love to release this. And so that's kind of what ended up happening. He put out an EP on his label, and then and then he set up another label with another friend named Joachim, who runs a bigger label called Small Super Sound. And Joachim and Hans Peter set up a label just to put out my record, my full-length record, called Stromland. And now I was really flattered they did that, and I felt really fortunate that they, they believed in that music so much to do that. And so they put out that record, and then and then... Very quickly after that record came out, like important records, an American label uh, came to me and asked me if I wanted to put out something else. And I said, yes. And so I put out that. And that's like the last real record I've done. I mean, I, I put out a record on a label last year called Upcode, which was like a, a dance EP that I put out. And I put out, 
I've released a record of the Stravinsky piece that we're performing. Uh, I just pressed that myself on Kickstarter funds that we raised. So there's, yeah, I, I guess I've kind of been around the block a little bit as far as that goes. And really, <laughs> really, I, it's, it's, I don't know if there's any, you know, there's no, there's no good or bad way to do this. I think, I think how, just getting my music out there and the fact that I have it available and people can find it and I can give them the CD is, is fine with me. However, why did you end up choosing that particular Stravinsky piece? I just liked it. I mean, I liked the piece. <laughs> the talking about Lenos. Yeah, I just liked the piece. I, 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 I'm a big Magma fan, first of all. And so I'm, Magma, this is, I don't know if you know Magma or, or if your listeners might know Magma. They're an incredible, kind of a bizarre French prog band. And I, I always, I had always read about one of their pieces being compared to this Stravinsky piece called Lenos. And I, and I never really, I was, I liked Stravinsky, but I wasn't like a fanatic or anything. So I didn't really know the piece and listen to it. And it was just kind of a joke. I was like, this sounds exactly like magma. And it's just like magma. And it was almost at the point where it was like, I don't even know if I can listen to like that particular magma album anymore. Cause it's just really going to remind me of this piece. Cause it's so similar and it's just, and so I want to do it. I want to do that piece. And it's, and I had a friend of mine, Kanoko Nishi, a great uh, pianist and composer and koto player in the Bay Area, and we, you know, had wanted to do another big project together. I said, why not? Let's just do Linos. And she was like, okay, let's do Linos. And, and next thing you know, we're doing Linos. did you find all the musicians for that piece? Uh, friends. Mostly great, generous, fortunate friends that I want to thank on the air for doing this piece so many times. I mean, I was just really lucky. I just, and I continue to be really lucky by being surrounded by so many just amazingly creative and, and dedicated and, and skillful people. And so we, we took that piece that was, you know, this piece is originally written for like a full choir and like a, a small chamber orchestra and a lot of percussion and four pianos. And we kind of, we did, we did it. We've done it now twice with just a third of that ensemble. Like we, we only have five singers. We have two pianos. We have one percussionist. We have a mallet player. We have a bass player. That's it. And so it's just through the, the dedication and the work of, of those amazing people that we were able to do that. I understand you won a grand prize in the Steve Reich remix contest, which was judged by none other than Steve Reich himself. It was, yeah, I, uh, so Steve I put out an album uh, last year, or maybe 2010, called 2 by 5 and that, and, and I guess for that, he had posted, or his, his label had posted, like, a remix contest, and, you know, you remix, uh, it was just, like, one song, I think, or maybe one or two songs that they had posted all the individual tracks for online, to so download these tracks, submit a remix, and, and the, you know, we'll, and the winner will 
we'll you know get a free CD and we'll get uh, a cash award and we'll get to whatever get to appear you know Steve Reich will thank them we'll get like a signed manuscript and I was but beyond that I was just like you know what I want to do a Steve Reich remix it just sounds fun and I took the I took the files and literally the thing just came together like really fast like within a couple of days like I had done that and I I uploaded it I didn't really expect they were gonna I didn't actually think they were gonna like it. I mean, it was uh, my remix was was kind of really it was really kind of a, a rock kind of a proggy piece. It, it was kind of almost a, a magma esque piece, and I didn't know if they would like that kind of stuff. I don't know if Steve Reich listens to rock music or or proggy noise music, you know. And so I just figured I was just doing it for my own my own fun. But they liked it and they picked it, yeah. And so I went in and I got to. I I hit he, I got like the signed manuscript. They they released it on an EP. It was just kind of ridiculous, like how much fun I had doing it and how easy it was and and how much they liked it. I was just like, wow. I was really flattered, and I can't believe that that Steve Reich listened to something that I did and liked it. It's just I still just kind of makes me. I don't even know what to say about it. It's just kind of incredibly satisfying. kind of music do you like to listen to yeah i mean i, I was just talking about magma before but i gosh prog I, I these days not as much prog i mean i listen to a lot of newer stuff like i listen to a lot of like zach hill projects and zach hill solo album and some hella and his, he has a band called bygones that i really like and he plays with a band called death grips also that i really like and gosh i mean i i yeah i listen to a lot of classical music this week i've been listening to a lot of old herbie hancock stuff and a lot of uh, miles davis and some also some john coltrane stuff i'm kind of always looking for something new to listen to it's one of the things that i've always done ever since i've been into music just i'm always kind of hunting for for new things 
And so I don't really have, there's not that much music that I don't listen to as like a matter of, you know, practice or anything. It's just kind of what sounds cool to me. Can you tell me a bit about your paper entitled, What You Hear Is Never What They Heard and What You Get Is Never What They Had? Yeah. So back in my days of writing record reviews, I submitted a paper to this conference. They have a yearly conference, which they used to have in Seattle called the uh, EMP Pop Conference. I think it's in New York now. You know, I, I just kind of wanted to do this paper, and, and that particular paper was about digital music and how having so much music and so much, uh, you know, so many opinions about music available all the time, and how does that affect how we hear it, how we process it, and, you know, I, I really didn't know what I was getting into when I did that, and, and had, had I just been able to, Limit the focus of that paper to that, it probably would have been fine. But, but unfortunately, I was also reading at the same time, like all this quantum physics stuff. And so I kind of, like, inadvisedly tried to kind of put some of that stuff in there as well. And I kind of bit off like 20 times as much as I could chew. And so, and when I got there, I was just like, just trying to like, tie all these weird ideas that don't really have a lot to do with each other, but in my head were equally as interesting. And so I don't know how, how, how well that paper came across, but I know it was, I'm glad I did it. And I'm glad I went through that experience. And I know that if I did it again, I probably would narrow down the focus just a tad. Have you had any difficult experiences that made you grow as a musician and or as a person? Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, I don't know. I guess every difficult experience you go through makes you grow as a musician, as a person. I mean, it's, you know, my personality is, I mean, my personality as a musician, hopefully, is not really any different than my personality as just a regular person. And so anything that I've gone through in my life, yeah, it definitely affects me as a, you know, as a musician. Where do you get your inspiration from for writing music? I don't know. Girls, uh, the, the view out of my window, you know, going to a good concert or going to see a good piece of art or having a nice dinner or seeing my family, just everything. I mean, anything that you can do in your life, I mean, that's, if it's, if it's important, if it's meaningful, it usually comes out in the music. Here is a question we always like to ask on Music Life Radio, which is, what does music mean to you? What does music mean to me? Music means to me, it's definitely an outlet for a lot of stuff that's that's going on in my head and it's definitely kind of a vent for a lot of things that you take in from the outside world and uh, I don't know I, I heard a quote, there was a quote in a movie I don't even remember the movie now but they were talking about art and they said art is a way of, of working things out Like art is a, both for the people who are making it and both for the people who are listening to it or, or watching it and I think it's true I think music to me is, is a way that I, I figure things out a way that I kind of uh, go to the piano, and I don't really know what's going to happen ahead of time, but if I'm lucky, I, I come out with something that that, that makes things, thing, you know, makes my life seem clear, makes the outside world seem clear, hopefully says something to somebody else in a way that is, is you know, I'm getting something across, even if it's just a feeling. And so I think it's that. It's that medium for understanding. It's that medium for, for processing your life and for, and for communicating with other people. There's a track of yours called uh, Happy New Year, which sounds like you're using uh, MIDI for the vocals. Um, how did you do that? No, yeah, that there's no MIDI on that. I mean, I didn't know how to 
Yeah, I didn't know how to use MIDI when I made that song. That song is just me uh, singing and, and playing all that, all that whole that whole album. In fact, the whole first two albums I made is just all me, and it's just all me on keyboard. So that whole song is just on like one or two keyboards and me singing. <laughs> kind of gear do you use that main keyboard that i made that record with was a roland phantom which is a, a very nice they call it a workstation keyboard i think it's more for recording than playing live but it's just got a lot of great sounds and, and you can mess with the sounds a lot i i use that a, a lot especially in the past i've used that a lot these days i have also a, a little micro cord that i like to take out i have a little yamaha 61 key just basic electric piano keyboard that i like to take out I have uh, a nice little vocal pedal that has some things on it. I I play depending on what kind of music I'm playing with. I'll use you know software like Ableton. I'll, I've played out with a few times, especially if I'm doing dance stuff or if I'm DJing. I'll use that and but I, you know I Pro Tools to record and Ableton to record and actually that I know I don't know what that sounds like now that I'm saying it. It sounds like more than it is, but I actually feel like it, I don't really have. I'm not like a gearhead. I'm not like a tech geek or anything. I just kind of really have like the, the bare basic stuff that I need to make my music. I'd like to thank my guest today, Dominic Leone. Please check out his website at dominicleone.com. That's D O M I N I Q U E L E O N E dot com. And you could probably also find him on the internet, uh, Facebook, wherever else the internet might lead you. We're going to leave you with one more track here. This is called I'm the Police. Thank you for listening. I'm Josh Almond for Music Life Radio. (laughs) 